I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, Luke Monger, and special guest from EDUC, the Oregon site on the Scout 24-7 network. Our good friend Steve Summers, who we've known for a long time, been at it as long as we have. Washington defeats Oregon 38-3 to in front of an announced crowd of 70,572. The most best stat of the game. The game was finished in two hours and 54 minutes, and the game started at 40 degrees. We're in the visiting coach's box, which we're probably on about the 50-yard line here. It is still raining out there, Chris. It is still raining. And, it, and what you see out there right now, it was pretty much like that the entire well, day. I thought, honestly, I thought it was going to snow because I thought, you know, it starts at 40. So you think as it goes later, the temp's going to drop. But it just it just seemed to hover around forty, and it just seemed the rain just keep came. It looks at least from the press box looked like it just kept coming. Weather wasn't really a factor down there. It wasn't really that cold. Washington had their heated benches on, but you know, I mean, it's forty degrees. It's not like last week when it was seventy degrees and Jim Mora had his heated benches on. But you know, the most annoying thing was just with the rain just never let up. And rain, I don't care how much you gear up, it has a way of finding the seams and just finding that. But uh, it wasn't that bad down there today. It really wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone else wants to chime in, well, but I I'll mean, say that Kim's Kim's uh, separation was in his preparation. How many layers did you have on today? I have a wool base layer on, and then I have another layer, a down uh, vest, and then a Gore-Tex coat and hand warmers, Gore-Tex boots, merino wool base layer, Gore-Tex pants, jeans. I'm all geared up. Man. I was going to say Elise <laughs> claimed Elise claimed 14 layers, but. I think she was being a bit hyperbolic. Yeah, well, Elise has got a little princess in her, so. Oh, like that? Wow, that would go over well. That should go over well. She knows it. Okay. She knows it. You know, it's just, you so know. you're saying she'd be the first to admit it. Oh, she does all the time on the sidelines. Right. Fair so, enough, fair enough. You know, but me and Elise have been going at it for years, so we had fun down there. So, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think anything really surprising, you know, Steve. I think this is pretty much what I think most anticipated. When you don't have a quarterback in this league, it's tough to win. Braxton Burmeister, I think he's a talented kid. But boy, he's just not ready for this. Well, it was obviously a one-dimensional Oregon football team offensively that, <clears throat> that played uh, what two? And actually, the Ducks and the Huskies rush for identical yardage for yeah two forty seven two forty seven twenty four seven twenty four seven. But Oregon had what thirty five yards of passing, thirty seven right. yards, thirty five yards, thirty one. I guess thirty one yeah. yards. Um, obviously, I, I don't recall. Braxton Burmeister throwing the ball more than five yards down the field. Yeah, I think his long pass today was nine yards. Nine, so nine one, yards. Did he throw one deep ball? He threw one deep ball, but that that is a pattern that he that we've seen before, and that's the only time we've seen him throw the ball downfield. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I mean he's a true freshman. Maybe he would have developed and will develop a, a longer touch, but. Really, all week long, we were all talking about one thing. Will Justin Herbert play? And when Willie uh, Taggart was asked tonight, did he ever consider putting Justin Herbert in the game? He answered, no. He suited up. He suited up. He warmed up. He warmed up. That's like the decoy, right? He was out practicing, but... Uh, you know, and, and I mean, all the, all the people were, you know, a lot of talk about. Well, if Justin Herbert comes in, he'll re-injure, he'll get injured again. But I don't recall the Husky defense pushing Braxton Burmeister down on the ground. They really didn't get to him. I mean, the only times that he got, I think he was sacked twice, yep. 
but those were basically on mistakes that he made and and just didn't you know didn't yeah, he didn't did, get rid of the ball. He didn't get rid of the ball. Yeah. And then I think as he as they got into the fourth quarter, he tried some passes downfield. He was picked off once on one of his throws, and it just seemed like his confidence started dropping, and he was standing, not throwing the ball. Would well, you, not would you have played Justin Herbert if he was close? What, did, did Willie Taggart make the right decision? Well, you know, I mean, if, 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 if he was medically cleared – and so I don't think he was medically – I don't think he was really medically cleared. I think that there was some gamesmanship going on, you know, because, first of all, the kid probably wants to play. The kid is going to say, oh, yeah, I can play. I can play. Don't worry about me, coach. I'm fine. I can play. Maybe some I, – I don't know if a doctor came up and said, uh, no, he can't play. I was going to say, the, the one thing, though, there's no doubt there was some serious gamesmanship going on in terms of Willie Taggart trying to – Push some emotional buttons for Oregon on him, with yeah. the finger, with the Jake Browning's the finger pointing and all that. Apparently, that was in the locker rooms and the weight rooms and everywhere else. Well, you know, that sounds is that kind of Willie Taggart's mo? He wants to kind of push those emotional buttons and. and well, well get, I, I think it, it's not gamesmanship towards the other team because the other team knows what they're going to do, which is they're going to prepare for Justin Herbert and. If you have, if you prepare for Justin Herbert, and you then have a one-dimensional quarterback come out and not throw the ball down the field, it's, you know, that any gamesmanship as far as the opposing coaches go, that's not going to work. It might because I think this is more about building up the confidence of the Oregon football team. That's who he's worried about. I would say, but I would say, by the way, trying to do gamesmanship, the last coach in the Pac-12 that you want to do that is Chris Peterson because he's not biting. Right. Well, it it wasn't going to matter on Washington. They were just going to do what they were going to do and and focus on themselves. As Willie Taggart, it sounds like he's trying to focus on themselves and and build their confidence. Um, One thing I am a little curious about is where where does Oregon go from here, though? I mean, in... I mean, is well, it literally? Are you in a holding pattern until, you know, until things until Justin Herbert can play? Because bottom line is, Oregon was going to be one dimensional. We all knew that if Braxton Burmeister played. Bottom line is that one dimensional looked pretty darn good. Well, the first series. Yeah, I, I don't know what more they could do because un, uh, until Braxton Burmeister is able to throw the ball downfield more than what he's been showing, uh, that's who you have because your next option is Taylor Alley, who was a walk on. Uh, he can't. He de- he's never demonstrated that he can throw the ball downfield much. So yeah. really, you're when it, it's all dependent on getting Justin Herbert back. Now, last week, of course, we saw that they could run the ball against a Utah team that I don't think is quite the same Utah team we've seen in the last couple of years. But then Utah then goes out last night and beats UCLA. Yeah. So. He's- Oregon's punter is bad as what was shown out there today because kicking to Dante Pettis low line drives, which he was doing most. I mean, that was just nuts. Is, yeah. is he that bad? No, he's. I, I, you know, again, they they had a good punter last year. They, it, it's just that's that's the option they have. They don't really have any more options of. of but you would have thought they would scheme it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, At least scheme like kick it out of bounds or yeah, cross well, field kick it. Or in in the post in, in the post game, Taggart did mention that. Yeah, he said, yeah, he just. It was a, you know, right, the the absolute worst punch you could make. And then we talked that they had, not we talked, they talked about all week long of 
who they what they did not want to do right. is what they ended up doing. Right. So it's like they threw it to them. Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> that's that's so that's what happened. But I, I I think that they're you know when I look at the Oregon Ducks because I'm looking at last year when the Oregon that was not a very good, that was a very bad football team. I mean they they were terrible, and so they've. Oddly enough, with the Huskies racking up 400... Yeah, it was 470-something, 451 yards. 451 yards compared to the 682 yards last year. Right. Although the Oregon offense only... The Oregon offense didn't break 300 yards this year. So it's steps, baby steps, and, you know, I think that, you know, I... We'll see what happens. I mean, they've got two remaining games, one against Arizona, who's falling to USC tonight. We haven't seen the final score on that. And then Oregon State, which suffered their eighth loss of the season today, uh, even though they're improved from what they were from the start of the season. So the Ducks still have an opportunity to end up with six wins, which would be a winning season. Well, they need, they need fifteen those fifteen extra practices in the worst way. I mean, yeah. to to just keep pushing this thing forward yeah. for them. Yeah, and there's really no choice. I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, I mean, they there was moments in the when the uh, Husky running backs were sort of having their way and breaking off some great runs uh, that I sort of was sensing that there was a little bit of caving in on some of the, not not the freshmen, the upperclassmen. The upperclassmen that were on that team last year, the upperclassmen that have made a lot of, you know, had a, had a lot of confidence to restore in themselves to become better football players. And there may have been some... A little shell shock? A little shell shock. And then there was, you know, Taggart was being pretty animate during on the sideline. And he said he wanted to get people... To, attention recognize don't give up this is no matter what what the score is you continue to play and continue to play hard so. and i think what we saw again tonight was what it's pretty much what washington has done all year you know where they have just been able to in the second half just wear people down oh. and you could kind of sense that you know late in the third quarter they were starting to just wear down and well, impose their will and just you know yeah and, and i think it was more wearing down emotionally wearing down and just you know they were Gosh, they were breaking off. Guys were just, boom, gone. Gaskin and, you know, what did he end up with, 100 and... 120-some yards. I think 120, 123. Was I think it was 122. 122. Was he, right, he was right about the same as, as Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman. You take a look at the beginning of the game, and it's very familiar with what we've seen all year. And, you know, uh, Keyshawn Bieria talked about this a little bit, where teams are coming out against Washington and scripting that first series, and uh, those are their best plays. They're running those first plays that first series. And Oregon sure did that march down the field. They weren't able to capitalize with a touchdown. But, um, you know, they went down, drove down, got the field goal, and then they were able, when they got the ball back, to move the ball quite well until they fumbled the ball. But uh, those first couple of series seemed really well scripted for Oregon, where I think there was a little bit of concern, but uh, that's what we've seen all year. Yeah, I was going to say, too, that the punt return was the clear momentum swing for Washington. But I would say that the fumble Mm -hmm. could have been a bit of a letdown for Oregon in, in the sense that, okay, not only did they get three points in their first drive, but now they're driving again, yeah. and they've got an opportunity to maybe punch it in. And now you could make it almost a two-score game 
before Washington even gets a chance to do anything, and then you get that big momentum play. Well, I'm down on the field, you know, and I've seen this quite a bit from Washington this year. Oregon had the most energy coming out of the gate. I mean, it wasn't even close. Oregon players on the sideline waving the towels, jumping up and down. You know, they got that first drive going. There was a lot of momentum and a lot of energy there, and Washington is just treating it kind of like business where we didn't see the energy, and we saw that down at Arizona State too. But, uh, you know, these slow starts are getting, you know, I shouldn't say they're getting to be a pattern. They've been a pattern all year well they have been a pattern and i asked dante pettis actually post game whether or not it kind of felt like rutgers in the sense that they they didn't really get off to the best foot and they they were having a bit of difficulty you know maintaining some momentum some rhythm early on and it really took a big sudden change play like that punt return to really get them kick started and he said yeah in that sense it, it kind of felt like the first game of the year and and Obviously, you know, the way that the fans responded, um, because there was over 70,000 here listed in the attendance. I don't think it was anywhere close to that. But I think it was one of those things where the, the house just really came down on that. And it was, it was such a huge play. Mm-hmm. I think Kim, kind of adding a little volition to what you were saying about uh, the slow starts, I was talking to Coach K after the game also, and he was talking about how a lot of times coming out of the gates – Oh no! He didn't say this. That they, they, it's sort of an adaptation that they kind of look what Oregon's going to put on the table and adapt to it. But he was talking about how teams kind of nickel and dime them down the field, and they, they they try to keep their leverage and keep things in front of them, and then from there they can adjust and make their plays. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because you look at the long run of Oregon tonight. It was 19 yards, and, and we all already talked about the pass game, the long of nine yards. They're still the only team in Division One that hasn't given up a play of over 40 yards this year. Yeah. You know, that includes Alabama, that includes Georgia, that includes all the great defenses out there. So that will tell you a little bit about how they approached the first part of the game. And there's clearly no doubt that when they're at 17-3 to at half mm-hmm. and they give up no points and in the second half, and I think, I don't remember the stat, but I think it was somewhere in the early 2000s is the last time, was it maybe 2007 was the last time Oregon – didn't score a touchdown in the game. Yeah. That's pretty telling. I know I'm going to go a little bit off, but it did. You know, Coach Pete in his post game, um, he's just he had, he was different post game tonight. I thought he was. He seemed. Um, to me, a little bit more salty, a little bit more focused. He didn't seem real happy with the win. Um, what did you notice from Coach Pete? Um, well, if if you give him credit for being uh, an even bigger wuss when it comes to the cold than you, Yeah. then maybe he just wanted to get it over with because <laughs> he was still freezing. Yeah. I, maybe that was something to do with it. I, I doubt that. I just I just get the sense that you know, this was a real working line game, and it was you know it wasn't short, in the it wasn't in the best conditions. Short week coming up with Stanford, yeah. he's just ready to go. He's probably got a lot of work in front of him. I, well, I, I guarantee you that's a big part of it, and I guarantee you that's something that he's already talked to them about post game. You know, we're fortunate to have Steve Summers here. Um, you know, and I wanted to ask him as long as we got the chance, as long as he's here. What do you remember about Peter Coach Pete at Oregon? Well, uh, he was a well, of course, Mike Bellotti. Mike Bellotti was a guy that. There was no doubt that he was running the show. At one point, we tried to negotiate um, a deal to ha- to have a uh, assistant coaches show where he would do. <laughs> it would be Nick Aliotti, and uh, allegedly it was Tom um, Tom Osborne. Uh, no, 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 no. From was with us from way back in the original scout, original. Uh, Rivals. Oh, I don't um, anyway, 
um, negotiated a deal, and Mike kiboshed it. He wanted to. So I I don't really remember Chris Peterson other than being sort of the guy that, you know, went to work, did his job, and, and uh, you know. I yeah. thought you were going to say he was going to be part of the assistant coach show, and I'm going, yeah. what? Well, <laughs> that's the whole point. As far from a media standpoint, as an assistant coach, yeah. you probably never saw him. I mean, it, it just yeah. that just wouldn't have been his lane at all. I, yeah. He, I mean, he will do all of the, the, the head coaching stuff that he needs to do with us, but he will certainly never go above and beyond because that's just he's really good when he does it, but he just doesn't like doing it. One more thing. Yeah. You've been around Matt Lubick, you know, the yeah. co-offensive coordinator a lot from us. Did you see any of Matt Lubick's fing- uh, thumbprints or fingerprints out there on what you saw tonight? Well, I thought that the receivers were um... – you know, they kept running. They were very, very disciplined in their routes. I asked uh, Tyree Robinson about Jake Browning sort of getting his passing game going, and he made the simple observation. He said, well, I, only, I thought they really only had one receiver going out that they, he was reliably – that he could reli- reliably go to, and that was uh, uh, Dante. Dante Pettis, and, who caught – at least one touchdown, and he had, he yeah. Had a big I think Aaron, I don't know if Aaron did Aaron Fuller. Aaron Fuller had, they both had four receptions. Okay, yeah. So yeah, but that is the first time Aaron Fuller's really shown up yeah. this year. I mean, Pettis, you're right. Pettis has basically been the one target almost the entire year, and unfortunately, some of the other targets have, have been hurt. We found out Quentin Pounds now is out for the year. Yeah. You know, we don't know what the status is for Hunter Bryant, but he went down last week. So there, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys, and they need someone to step up. Now, I th- I think that the Washington rushing. Yardage got padded a little bit because in the fourth quarter, when it was clear that the Washington Huskies were going to win the game, I think uh, Coach Peterson sort of called the dogs off and said, "Okay, we're just going to run the ball, and we're not going to we're not going to try to rub the the duck's nose into it, and we're just going to rub you know." Yeah, we might have to talk to Coach Pete about that because it's okay, Steve. Well, for uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, I asked I asked you in our our exchange of questions. Will are the, what was it? Something to the effect are the Huskies uh, fans yeah. about that? What was about the Husky fans? Oh yeah, are no. They, are they you know? Are will they, they be, what, well, did, seventy to twenty one. Did they get? I mean, was, was that enough? Was that enough? No, was that no enough they'll sound? never. No, it'll never be enough. No, no, never. No, and, 12, 12, losing twelve straight will never. Yeah, that, the, the only thing that'll solve that solve that wound is is winning twelve straight. Yeah. And even then, no, who knows? Even then. Well, yeah. you know, I, I remember being in fact in this same room. The year that, um, and I don't know the gentleman, I don't remember the gentleman who was out here with us. It was you, me, Scott, and uh, Kim, and we were talking about, it was the game that Marcus Mariota came out and he just had a tremendous yeah. season. And there were, there were really two turnovers in that game that really hurt the Huskies badly. There were two, there was an exchange of, of turnovers tonight. It didn't really mean anything where, the Huskies recovered a fumble. Brady Breeze then recorded his first interception. Brady Breeze, of course, is an Oregon uh, State of Oregon kid, and uh, but it was at the end of the half. The turnovers really did not make much of a difference in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think Washington won the turnover battle. I think right. two to one. But in the end, you're right. I mean, I think Washington getting the balls when they did, like that that fumble, I think was pretty key. Yeah, and then. They were still comfortably ahead when Tevis Bartlett got the interception. Yeah. But still, it was at a situation where you could tell those guys were still fighting very hard to, yeah. to keep 
Oregon out of the out of the end zone, and I think that was psych- from a psychological standpoint that was big for Washington, and I think that also did kind of demoralize a little bit Oregon to try to yeah, finish the, it off. The, yeah, because in the second half, it was clearly in the second half, third quarter, because all of Washington scoring was in yeah, they had twenty one points. Second, third. second and, and third quarter, so they didn't yeah. score in the first quarter, they didn't score in the fourth quarter. Right. So it was all done in the uh, second and uh, third quarters, and uh, really the Ducks. Were competitive, I thought, in the first half, even though they were dying behind seventeen to three. And in my predictions that I wrote for the, on Educk, I said that if Justin Herbert played, that I thought it would be a game that got down to the last possession. But if it wasn't, if it was Braxton Burmeister, the game would be twenty-four to three. So when they hit twenty-four to three on the scoreboard here, I said, "Well." You know, I'm I'm golden. Yeah. Now all they got to do is not give up any more touchdowns. They gave up two more touchdowns. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that <There you> was <laughs> looking down the stat sheet. You know, kind of like you said, the unusual statistic: Washington and Oregon both with 247 yards rushing. Uh, the big stat: Washington with 204 yards passing with Jake Browning. Oregon. 31 net yards passing. That makes it difficult. Total offensive plays. Washington with 58. Oregon had 68 offensive plays, so had 10 more. Uh, time of possession. That first quarter possession, Oregon just kind of ran it down their throat. Uh, 10-11 for Oregon in that first quarter, and only 449 for Washington. But uh, just going down the individual statistics. Let me By the go. way, just a, a quick little kudo to the intern. Oh, yeah. Who was his breakout player of the game? Aaron Fuller. Four receptions, seventy-six yards, and, and you look—you were looking really good in that first yeah. quarter. Yeah, well, because what happened is Aaron Fuller had a had a, a big uh, gain down the sideline, yeah. and then it was called back for a holding. Right. And then on the very next play, yeah. he comes Aaron back Fuller again. And another, I think it was a forty-six yard reception. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think two weeks in a row. Yeah. Last week was Savon. So should we already ask who your next breakout <laughs> player of the game is? Give me a couple be? days to sit on it. Okay, but uh, yeah. Uh, it, uh, Royce Freeman, 24 carries, 122 yards. He's a quality, quality back. Uh, Darian Freeman, 8 carries for 43 yards. Brandon Burmeister, and this is a big stat right here, he had 14 carries for 38 yards. Boy, running a freshman quarterback uh, 14 times in a game like this. Yeah, he didn't slide from what I remember. He didn't slide once. Tony Brooks-James, 6 carries for 37 yards. And, uh, yeah, uh, Braxton Burmeister, 7 of 13 with an interception, but only 31 yards. He was sacked only twice, a pretty mobile kid. When you take a look at Washington's offensive statistics, Miles Gaskin, 17 carries for 123 and a touchdown. Uh, Savin Ahmed, 6 carries for 84 yards. He had a 58-yard uh, run on a reverse there, and, boy, he looked no, fast. No, that wasn't a reverse. It wasn't? Okay, what was it, a fly sweep? No, it was. I was in the end zone. Yeah, I don't think it was a reverse, was it? No, it was, it was definitely, no. it, it looked like something that was kind of off tackle, but he made a cut back Yeah, no, it wasn't, yeah, that yeah, no, wasn't reverse. LeVon Coleman, 17, uh, excuse me, 12 carries for 34 yards. Jake Browning, 11 of 19 for 204 with two touchdowns. Downs along of 47. Uh, receiving's not a lot of receptions to be had today. Dante Pettis with four for 87. Aaron Fuller for four for 76. And the play of the game, uh, Dante Pettis, 64 yard punt return, making him the all time leading punt return for touchdowns in NCAA history. And trust me, everybody on that bench knew he broke the record. Yeah, it was nine, and it was amazing. And think about what his family has done this week. Between his dad, third base coach for the Houston Astros, winning the World Series, and then he won. I asked him if he felt he won up to him, and he goes, "I don't know." And he goes, I think, I think we get. I think we can dig both, right? Yeah. So it's like, 
So no, it was good. Although the one on the one on some thing that that people aren't going to talk about a little bit, but I asked Jake Browning about it. I don't know if you guys noticed when he threw the touchdown to Dante oh, Pettis. Yeah. Do you see his little holster move? <laughs> no. Oh, he had the guns up and then he put them right down in the holster. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, and so I asked him. You know, you know, I know you couldn't do the finger this year. So was that your was that the, doing the holster? Was that the next best thing? And he goes, No, I'm just going to do say the same thing I said last year. I'm not going to say anything about it. <laughs> I wonder so. if he's going to get push-ups for that. I don't know, but it looked good. Yeah, I gave it a solid nine out of ten. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Ben Burkirvan, leading tackler with ten tackles. I think he had ten of yeah, them. Yeah, I was going to say. I think all of those were in the first half. Ezekiel Turner with eight tackles and Keyshawn Bieria with uh, eight tackles, and uh, also just a, a long punt return. That I don't know what was going on there. It was kind of weird with the penalties, and when he got tackled, it looked like the guy threw a punch at him. I don't know what was going on. Oh, on I have to go back and look at that. Return. Right? Is that what yeah, you're talking about there? Yeah. 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 But uh, there was a punch thrown in right in front of Raff, and I'm going, okay, well, what was that? And I won't tell you who was next to me, but she wasn't happy. And when that person's not happy, you get spun down on the sidelines. But you okay. can probably guess who it was. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, uh, nice win for Washington. Stanford next week, um, 7.30 Short kickoff. Week. 7.30 kickoff. I think that's why Coach Pete wanted 7.30 on Friday. Wanted to get out of there. But uh, it's still raining outside. It's kind of slowing down a little bit. You have Stanford next week, then who's after that? Utah. Utah, okay. Well, obviously, for your next three games, I've seen all three teams play. What do you think? I think Stanford with Bryce Love is going to be a a, a, – Bryce Love is a load, although he got hurt in the second half of the Oregon game. Um, He played today. Yeah, yeah, played today, but they lost. They lost to – Washington State, Washington State uh, Chris, uh, Connor Crisp is a guy that can come out and be hot like he was against the Ducks where he made all of his completions, or he can be cold like he was against yeah, I think Oregon. Actually, I think it was Costello that Costello was the coach. Was Costello the played today. Yeah, okay, so yeah, it, it's, it's rarely a who-knows game. I mean, yeah. but the – Stanford is not quite the, the same Stanford that we think of in the you know in the past. Um, Utah, um, uh, Utah is definitely not the same team that we we've seen in in the past. Uh, the Ducks laid what forty one twenty on them at Hudson State. And I suspect at Husky Stadium, I think that's going to be a different atmosphere yeah. compared to Rice Eccles. Rice Eccles last year, I mean, you can say Kim, that yeah. was pretty electric. Yeah, and Washington State finish up with Washington State. The Cougars. Now, when the Cougars and the Cougars, I was very impressed with the Cougars when they played Oregon. I thought they had a very active, quick-reacting defense that I was surprised, uh, you know, that uh, I was more impressed with their defense than I was their offense. We know they were going to throw the ball around, and we know that uh, did Falk play today? I didn't, didn't see Yeah, anything. he played today. He started. Okay. Yeah, because what was the last? Which really game? is going to add fuel to the fire as to why he got benched. Yeah, against yeah. Arizona. Yeah, against Arizona. The Ducks, of course, play Arizona next week, which is you know that, that's going to be a tough matchup. And then, and then they finish it off with the Beavers. But I think the Huskies have a opportunity. I think the toughest game of those next three, obviously, are, is it's going to be the Apple Cup. Really is. How's the success of Washington going o- going over with Oregon fans? Well, I think that I think they recognize that you know that they're they're. I think that they're still real concerned about you know taking a, a team that really was like last year. Geez, I mean, there's all kinds of problems. So 
I, you know, I, the Duck fans are not going to say anything nice about the Husky fans. Let's just face it. I mean, that's not going to happen. And yeah. so I, I sort of, you know, it was just, yeah, okay, well, whatever, you know. I mean, when you have people say, I, I refuse to go to the city of Seattle. No, I kind of like Seattle. <laughs> it's a neat city, you know. But but that's just you know that's you know just like there's a Husky fan saying I will if I've got to go to California I'll go through Idaho down to down to Nevada and bypass the entire state of Oregon because of the yeah. University of Oregon. So, that's yeah. nuts. Right, let's wrap this thing up. Steve Summers, final thoughts just on uh, what you saw today, your experience up here, and the way you were treated. Well, I, as always, I mean, I, I since the, the 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 caboose, which used to be strapped up to the top of the stadium with its brand new press box. Well, it's not brand new anymore, but it's been around for a few years. Great press box, great facility. By the way, could you imagine what tonight would have been like? In that old press box? Well, yeah. I mean, but one thing I did notice, and, uh, you know, th- th- I agree with you. This place wasn't packed, and I'm thinking, no, 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 this can't happen. This is an Oregon game. Yeah. This is going to be packed. This is an Oregon game. wasn't packed. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weather, weather kept a lot of people. Weather, weather kept a lot of people, and, yeah. But that's still, the you know, the, this. I always think of diehard Husky fans being like, of course, they always say Austin Stadium's full every every month or every every game and that's not the case either so yeah luke munger final thoughts um uh, one thing that i wanted to, oh, to mention by the way just real quick yeah. final thoughts and did you get any thoughts from your grandfather tonight after the game oh yeah i also no, i actually i went and saw him before the game and uh he was i think he's he's kind of all 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 year kind of been i, I don't know how to explain it necessarily but he I think he's kind of trying to lay low because he knows that uh, that uh, going into Husky Stadium against a team like this is hard to pull out a win. So I think it, by by being sort of gentle in the way that he talks to us, I think he was expecting some a, a gentle, uh, I guess, backlash if Washington were able to take care of business, which is what ended up happening. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to mention, I thought this was funny, we were talking about Jake Browning's holstering. Yeah. Uh, speaking of celebrations, I asked Dante if kind of the arm circle right. that he was doing was an right. air guitar, right? And he said it was his, his dad, Gary Pettis, waving players around third to home. Obviously, yeah. Gary Pettis being the uh, third base coach for the Astros just got a World Series ring. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, one last thing that I wanted to mention, I wanted to give a, a I thought that uh, Ezekiel Turner and Taylor Rapp played a really good game. I was talking to uh, Coach K about kind of preventing those big plays and keeping the long run of a really talented trio of running backs with Benoit and uh, Freeman and Brooks James uh, to only a 19-yard long. And he talked about how important it is for those guys to keep their leverage and tackle really well. Uh, the two combined for uh, 14 tackles, 11 of which were solo tackles. So they're out there in the open fields bringing down some talented running backs, which I thought was awesome and went a long way. And uh, Other than the first drive, pitching a shutout from then on. Chris Fetter's final thoughts. Just yeah, just pitching a shutout after the first quarter, I thought was huge. Um, did not expect that. Um, I knew Oregon was going to get their their ground game going. Right, Royce Freeman's too good. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And I think they did a pretty good job of that after the first quarter. I think he almost had ninety some yards after the first quarter. So I mean, they really did, were able to put the clamps down on him after that. And then offensively, you know, again a little slower start. And I think that's just kind of the mo now of this team is that they're going to let things happen in front of them, kind of dissect it, figure out what the other team's doing offensively, defensively, and then they're going to take it away. And they're going to they're going to do what they do. So, 
I think this was a pretty workmanlike game for Washington. I think they really did it in all three phases. And when, like Jake Browning says, when you win in all three phases, you're going to win the football game, and that's what they did today. Uh, started off the day with, you know, radio at KJR. Got to talk to one of our all-time favorites. Reggie Williams was on our radio show today, so it was always good to talk to uh, Reggie. And then um, I got a text from my son. So Danny Shelton was here today, by the way. So I, didn't get, I wonder if he was wearing the Lava Lava. Doubtful. Yeah, or the hoodie and shorts and flip-flops in, for uh, Daniel. For yeah. Daniel, yeah. Which they, by the way, they did, a, they did a moment of silence for Daniel, which I thought was really nice. And, um, yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah, you know, just Husky football weather, you know, with the rain and the cold, and it's still going on out there, night game, and uh, another night game next week. And then uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow on Sunday we'll get an announcement. Will we get an announcement on the time of the Apple Cup? On Sunday, do you think? No, Monday maybe. All right, well, we'll see what happens there. Do you know one of the big advantages of being sort of having a crappy team? What's that? You don't have yeah, to. day games. You have day games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, Steve Summers from EDUC, by the way. So, <laughs> oh, cool. Can I make that my tagline? (laughs) So, anyways, uh, late night, we still got a lot of work to do. And, um, you know, just uh, one more home game. Two more regular season games, one more home game. So, the Apple Cup. Two more home games. Two more home games, Utah and Washington State. And if I may, all you dog fans out there, you in that game, the the Apple Cup's here at... Fill this place up. Yeah, you're gonna. Wonderful. This this is gonna be one of the monumental teams. That if the Cougars play out and they're playing the way that they played against Oregon, I'm not gonna make a prediction right now. I'm just telling you that would be that would be a great game in the the dogs need all the sport they can get. We've been doing this a long time. We started in April of 1997. Steve Summers at Educks has been doing it just as long. It's always good to see Steve. He's part of the 24-7 network with us, so it's always good to have Steve in. And as much as Husky fans and Oregon Duck fans like to go at it, uh, you know, we've always gotten along. We always get along. We trade barbs, and uh, it's always fun to see Steve, and glad to have him here. And Glad he has to make the road trip back tomorrow. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going back tomorrow morning. Yeah, <laughs> not not tonight. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll be back on Sports Radio KJR uh, Tuesday night from six thirty to eight, as we are every Tuesday night throughout the football season. If you want those daily updates in your inbox, just shoot us a note. HuskyStadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. We'll get you those daily updates. Uh, we'll get those all out again tomorrow. Not sure next Saturday what time we'll do radio. We'll probably have an answer for that on uh, Monday. So stay tuned for that. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund, and intern extraordinaire Luke Monger, and our special guest from EDUC, Steve Summers. Go dogs. <laughs>